This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, it's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Um, Nothing's up. Uh, uh, No banter. (laughs) That's all. The end. Okay, great. Also joined by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey y'all, it's your old pal Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing good. I've had a bop stuck in my head for the last week, and I've I know I've told you this Bentley, but Hazuki's theme it might be the biggest bop in all of wrestling. It just has like a really good cadence to it, and sure. you just kind of get grooving with it. So that's that's all I've got. A uh, Nate mid mean to ask you, how are the succulents? Um, the, my top my my topmost succulent is looking a little ragged. Um, it's difficult to tell if they're over, if it's overwatered or underwater. That's the real issue of succulents, I think. Because they say the main issue people have is they overwater them. Okay. But you know, just like it's intrinsic that you want to water a plant when it looks kind of uh, kind of ragged, you know. Hey, I mean, maybe you're just waterlogging those poor dogs. Maybe, maybe I'm waterlogging and popping dogs. Is that something? No, I don't think so. Okay, all right. But I support it. Have a surprise for you. We are joined by a special guest. Back from assignment, it is Aaron Taub. What's up, AT? <laughs> Not much. It's good to be back home. Uh, I too have a little bop that's in my head. Uh, it's a little song called Judas. Oh, and uh, yeah. it's the song of the summer, it's the song of the fall heading into Halloween think it's going to be the song of the winter too um so i'm just uh just fired up to 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 become judas in my mind with you guys today and uh just have a great time have you come up with a uh, halloween costume yet aaron uh no because I, I i really i hate halloween because it feels like just like an extra layer of difficulty uh when you're just just trying to do a normal socializing outing and now it's like i gotta come up with an idea um i think i might try to go as the green new deal and just like you know wear a green t-shirt and then you know write you know uh you know universal jobs guarantee and like all these other things on it okay yeah, yeah. My that be on brand. yeah what what is the best halloween costume you've ever had aaron Ooh. um I don't think I've ever had a really good one. Um, or once Alyssa made costumes and we went as dinosaurs, we went to a Bible themed, um, you know, uh, went to a Bible themed party that was like in a church in Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> right. As you know, just like I was young. It was like during the period that girls was popular on television. Right. Oh. And we went as like dinosaurs that like were on Noah's Ark. 
checks out. They All checked right. with my uh, my theological knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> you know the uh, the dinosaur um, the creation museum is in Kentucky, mm. and it features uh, people riding on dinosaurs, uh, so that it can really, you know cross the divide of whether dinosaurs exist at the same time as humans. Not only did it happen, humans rode on dinosaurs. That rips. Yeah. I can why, see why even have animals if they're not in service of humans after all? <laughs> exactly. Right. Funded funded by uh, taxpayers of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Okay. Hey, that's who all is going to be on this show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can find me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike. Is at Fuji Heya. That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. And Aaron Taub is at AP Taub, but he does occasionally delete all his tweets. So make sure you're uh, you're watching out so you catch all the real tweets. Yeah, gotta protect my reputation. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. That means you've deleted all the old great uh, Everything Evolves tweets, but you know whatever. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us by searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or by subscribing to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If you're using the podcast app, give us a five-star rating and a review. And if you would like to sponsor the show, you can. You can go to, I think it's voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. And the second link down is us, is Everything Elite. You click on there, you can give us a one-time donation, uh, a recurring donation. Basically, the idea is you just want to say you like the show. So you throw a little bucks uh, to uh, the guys who talk about the Young Bucks. Am I right? Got him. That didn't pop any of the uh, the other guys on the show, if you're wondering. Try hard. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to bring back the game that is uh, riling up the entire nation. That is Elite or Delete. We're going to run down AW Dark from this week, AW Dynamite, talk about the ratings, and, of course, give you a preview of Episode 5, uh, and also at the end, you know, because Aaron Taub is here, we're going to talk a little about healthcare. We're going to talk a little about uh, workers versus management, and uh, what the the new the new info we have about how AEW is covering its workers. We'll start with ratings quickly. It just came out today, of course, we're recording on Thursday. AEW, there was a lot of concern, right? We talked about this last week, and if you're following us on Twitter, you saw it. A lot of concern that. NBA opening night in big wrestling markets and the World Series popping off at the exact same time would really kill AW and NXT. Well, AW had 963,000 viewers, down about 50,000 or 5%. It did a 0.45 in the demo, up from a 0.44 last week, and uh, up 0.1 to 0.39 in the 18 to 34. So, a uh, smaller drop than any other week, and that was up against these big, uh, big competitors in NBA and the World Series. So, <laughs> what do we think this all means? It, it goes against our thesis, but it's also good news. So, so what's happening here? It doesn't go completely against my thesis, as I've been someone that's pointed out how much of a ratings driver the Masked Singer was, and. Baseball was on Fox, which is the same network as the Mass Singer. And I'm looking at the demographic breakdowns. Mm. And as I'm seeing them broken down, one of the big jumps that we saw was people 18 to 34. And a lot of that 
was because they had a 500th of a point jump in females 18 to 48, and then a, a 0. 0.7, 0. 0.07, so 700 points draw jump in females 12 to 34. So I, it was a a jump of a rating because the men 18 to 49 still dropped, but you you now have had the ladies pick it up. So with the amount of female viewership 18 to 49. They they since there was no show that was pulling their attention, it seems to have dispersed, and I think it's a similar thing that also happened to a little bit with NXT. But hey, I was expecting this to be a huge drop, and I think everyone was, and instead they went up one hundredth of a point in the prime demo. So it's a win across the board. I look at it. I think uh, probably the good takeaway from this is that the AEW fandom that's tuning in, these nine hundred and fifty thousand one million people are relatively young pro wrestling fans they're not they're not sports fans that are casually dip their toes into wrestling they're not uh wwe fans that are checking out the competition because those people are probably watching nxt they're all those casual you know new fans that were made in like the bte ring of honor era and people that came from new japan which i think you have to take as a positive if you have a base of like this nine hundred fifty thousand one million genuine wrestling AEW fans and you know there's those potential WWE fans out there you know there's also casual sports fans that are getting the exposure on uh the NBA you know NBA games there's a lot of advertising on inside the NBA on Turner uh if you can grab those people then there probably is room to to grow this audience so I think that's probably good news so um you know I, I, I you know Demir or Mike I think people were expecting a bigger drop um so it's good news that there wasn't one Aaron Tao, we have never heard your thoughts about ratings. We got to have them. You know, I got to say that this week I decided that ratings are over. Um, I don't care about them anymore. I think it was really exciting, like the first week to watch uh, WWE just get obliterated. That was so satisfying for um, just the years of shit that they've served in all of our faces, right? To just see them get their asses kicked by the good wrestling company. But at this point, it's like, ah, oh, they're kind of settling in. It's going to do around a million. And, and like these stories will be told over long term trends. Right. You're going to you know, these are all small sample sizes. It, we can probably go 10 or, you know, 20 weeks now and then look back and kind of see what the trends are. Um, so I'm, I'm no longer into ratings talk and um, I will not participate um, in it moving forward. <laughs> on a weekly basis all right well i guess we'll just leave this alone then and uh, and move on now that uh, aaron has buried the segment so it is time. He's, he's just more evolved along his his ratings like evolving you know i completely botched that phrase you get where i was going for he's he's higher in his ratings development there we go mm, more advanced more advanced that's it yes i mean evolved worked especially with aaron Taub. i mean it all it all comes together I don't get it. All right, well, it is time for the world-famous segment, Elite or Delete. And since you're back for the first time in a while, Aaron, I want to start with you. Uh, if you're new to the show, the idea of this segment is this. and by the, Or if you only listened two weeks ago and didn't listen last week, the idea of this segment is this. You, everybody's going to pick one thing they thought was Elite about the show. It could have been a match. It could have been a person. It could have been an idea. It could be a vibe. And then they're going to pick one thing they would like to delete from the show, from the world, if they wish. 
Uh, so Aaron Taub, we're going to start with you. Your elite pick. My elite pick is Britsburg in establishing a sense of place in live professional wrestling. Because one of the things that you see on WWE, right? They have the WWE universe. And you're watching the show in this weird, alien, sanitized place. And every week, it's the same, like, impact zone, right? It's the same WWE universe. It doesn't matter where they are. I mean, maybe you have a Raw After Mania or you have a European show. But generally speaking, it really doesn't matter where they are. And... And all the, the characters talk with this weird jargon and this weird dialect. And one thing I like about AEW is that it's a real show taking place in the real world. And when it and it looks and feels different in Boston than it does in Pittsburgh. And I loved that they had the terrible towels. I loved, you know, I don't love Britt Baker, but I loved her gear. I loved the response she got. I mean, they really went so overboard to make it like a Pittsburgh thing. And it turned out being a lot of fun. Like, it's fun to think about these things happening in the real world. And it's and if you're going to watch the show every Wednesday, having a nice little the, the, the sense of place can give each show a little twist. I think we all got behind Britt Baker. The match went, you know, a little longer than I think would have would have liked and, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't. A classic but it was a fun story and it's exciting to see people get excited about someone being in their hometown and i also think we're going to see more of this as they continue to start going to um i guess what you would say are sort of not like metropolis cities right you're not new york los angeles chicago boston whatever but kind of sort of your your medium population cities where like people are fucking hype for a big event right they don't get uh, a summer. I know they had the Royal Rumble a few years ago, but you're not always going to get like a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania in these places. And this was just a phenomenal crowd from start to finish. And it was just like this show was in Pittsburgh. So I really liked that. Great take, Aaron. I, believe it or not, that was going to be my elite pick was the whole Britsburg branding. So, you know, uh, considering that most people like uh, are down on Britt Baker or whatever, it's kind of remarkable that we both really enjoyed that segment. Um, I also thought it was worth shouting out that uh, Dave talked on his show about how Pittsburgh used to have the reputation of being a terrible uh, wrestling city and that the fans were bad, the crowds were bad, they didn't get good reactions. And it's just like, hey, maybe if you have a reasonably well-booked wrestling company, then you get good reactions. It's remarkable. Um, yeah, that was that was all uh, dead on. So for my elite segment, I'll pick uh, the Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela match. Just a good, solid television wrestling match um, with you know, a top talent who is received and presented like a top talent versus a talent who's on the come up. And I thought Joey Janela uh, looked really pretty good here, hanging tough with Kenny Omega, getting some big lariats in. And uh, I particularly enjoyed how they sort of built the second and third act of this match around Kenny getting two dragon suplexes in and going for a third and getting fought off and the crowd wanting the third dragon suplex and even chanting one more time for the third dragon suplex. And then finally, when Kenny cut off uh, Janela again and got back to the dragon suplex, gave the crowd what they want that, you know, started to lead into the finish there. So just like a, if that's the kind of singles match we're going to get, like, that'd be great for me going forward. Like, you know, it's not super intense. It's not the pay-per-view stuff you're paying your money for, but it's a good sort of match to have two guys go toe to toe and, uh, you know, give you the winner you want. 
Yeah, I was going to talk about Joey Janelle. I guess we're all just stealing each other's uh, thoughts here. We should maybe coordinate these or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we should have a, a, a production meeting maybe, but we don't. So I'll just piggyback on yours a little bit and I'll do my own after that. But I, this to me was the best uh, Joey Janela match that I've ever seen. I've never, I, I was pretty terrified when the match started and I realized it was going to be a wrestling match and not a plunder match of any sort. Joey's been doing this whole thing for years of like, oh, you know, I'm not just a deathmatch guy. I'm so much more than that. I can really wrestle. And it always kind of has like, um, I don't know. It's not really worked for me. I, I know we got a lot of heat with, I, I, Nate was on that show, actually. We got a lot of heat with uh, Joey for when he showed up and evolved. Us just saying like he was fine, like he was okay. And some people didn't like that. I suppose Joey famously blocked the Everything Evolves Twitter account. Uh, and which is the Everything Elite Twitter account, so we're still blocked. Uh, but this was really good. Like, Joey did not look out of place trying to wrestle. He, he it looks like he's gotten in a little better shape. You know, when they showed the clips from even the Fighter Fest match versus this match, he looked in better shape, so that was good. And he looked he looked like a an interesting person worth watching on national television. Like, he had this kind of new haircut a little bit where he, like, did the – undercut which is like a wrestling thing but still it kind of added something to him he looked clean uh like not like he's from new jersey like he is and he just i was like oh this is an interesting person i'm fired up to watch this guy so i don't know i was happy for him i thought he ruled you know i'm gonna go the other way here because my delete wow was Aaron really just like my my delete <laughs> is joey janela as a national tv wrestling star because i just oh. um this match just left me cold. And I think that um, Kenny Omega is the most inconsistent performer in professional wrestling. I think that both of these guys like have reason, like I just didn't care who won and it just felt like moves. And I didn't really, and I felt this way about the match that they had on dark last week that was built up as this big match. And it was just kind of like, it's just a series of actions that are happening and there doesn't feel like there's a larger narrative or a reason to care. And I think that with Joey Janela, I look at him and I feel like, you know, on the Indies, there was a reason to care about him because he was in this whole context, right? He was a collaborator and the public face of Joey Janela's Spring Break, which is kind of this like artistic movement that's like about having fun and having a party at wrestling. And it's kind of like, a revival of like late nineties wrestling culture of like the stuff that you saw as a kid and loved then. And then later, you know, you really got into Chris Benoit matches in like 2003 and you decided that stuff sucked, but now we're looking at it again from a different angle. And it's like the late nineties wrestling party revival. Right. And so he's in this context and he also has the hardcore thing where he jumps off of stuff. And then here and on AEW television, I just feel like he is ripped from that context and I don't know what he is or why, like he hasn't really um, given a promo um, and I, I don't really know what the reason is to feel emotionally attached to him because I feel as if, um, you know, he's, he's a small guy, but he's not like a plucky underdog. He's not especially athletic. He, this match just felt like, you know, you have Kenny Omega doing and Kenny Omega is another guy who like, um, you know, when he was in Japan, you had this whole narrative of like, oh, he loved Japanese wrestling and culture. He went there. He made good. Um, 
you know, and they had the whole love story with Kota Ibushi and there were real reasons to be invested in him and his success. And on these shows, I, I don't really know what, like why we should be drawn to him. I feel as if like, you know, he's out there, he's making his, his anime faces after, you know, after someone kicks out at two. And I just feel like both of these guys are just leaving me cold right now. And I would like to hear more from them about like why we should care about them. And I also think that like Kenny Omega had that great pro- promo on uh, the road to TNT, right? On, and on, um, on, uh, on Moxley. And you really sort of felt like invested in it, but we haven't heard from him since. And I'm less interested in that match than I was, you know, a month ago. So that's my, that's my hot take that I think is going to get a lot of pushback, but I'm brave <laughs> enough to take it. I'm out here on a limb and I just, Neither of these guys really uh, made me feel anything uh, last well, night. Well, first of all, uh, you kind of blew up. You kind of ruined it because I was going to send this episode to Joey and you'd be like, Joey, listen, we all put you over huge. You've got to unblock the Twitter account. I was going to use Bix as a uh, as an intermediary if necessary. But now you went and buried him, so we can't do that. But to uh, jump off what you're saying, my delete is the lack of promos and packages and video segments or whatever you have to do just to give us a little bit more character of all these people because we know they're very good at those they've done those on the road two episodes uh, and we know they have a lot of guys who are very good at promos they're just not giving enough time on these tv shows because they're too busy giving us like pretty good matches but you know we're not getting the john moxley promo which they are promising us now we're not getting the video package that tells us who joey janela is and for people that haven't seen all these people in other contexts, um, you know, they just don't know who they are, what they're about, or why we should be invested in their story going forward. So that's my delete. And we should probably hear from Mike. So actually, my elite goes kind of against what you're saying there, Nate. So this actually kind of worked out that we'll, that we've had this full like this. I, I completely agree with you. Why hasn't John Moxley given a live mic? We've had that inset promo from him, and we had like that that clip on Twitter. But one thing that they have done really well with TV, and in this episode, I feel like is the best example of, and this will immediately go into my delete. So I'm just going to flow into it. There are some things they do tremendous about turning the concept of TV wrestling on its head, and this episode was a great example of this. Of we went straight into the ring for the first match. There was no opening pyro no opening video and it wasn't like one of those fake cold opens it was a true cold open smash cut to the ring and they basically just went match 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 we had a things broken up a little bit where we had that really interesting cody and friends versus the inner circle brawl that was a good way to break things up and then they they bookmarked the, i mean they then they book into the show with a tv draw which is something that one doesn't happen on american wrestling tv that well and two They've made the concept of a draw into a very important thing for their promotion. We've already, this is the second TV draw. The first one was used as a way to build up Darby Allen as someone who is able to completely step up next level. And in this one, it was such a smart way of saying, we have TV time remaining. We have TV time remaining. And they started counting down to the end of, end of the show to the 10 o'clock hour. And it completely gave you a whole way of saying, okay, I was a little confused about having pack versus moxley right here on this show when it could have been a money match down down the road and now we have the fact that okay they went to a time limit draw because of how tv was and the fact that this was a show that had six matches on it and 
that you're able to build from there and build from there and build from there. So when they have their next big tentpole show, now you still have the opportunity that this was not able to be finished on TV. Now we can give them the time they need to on these big shows. I think that's really cool considering just like how, like how Taub said, talking about how like the whole homogenized WWE universe, like wormhole that like, it doesn't matter what city you're in because it's not special because every venue is the exact same. This one felt different. And I thought that that was a good way of taking how TV wrestling has been for the last 20 years and turning it on set. And that was my elite of the week. I think you're all wrong. I think <laughs> what they've been doing is focusing on specific things. Like Cody and Jericho is extremely well built. We know everything about those two characters' um, um, motivations. We know why they want to fight each other. And if you have like any human emotion, uh, you want Cody to kick Jericho's ass, right? Like, so they've done perfect for that. Now they're also they've made a star out of Darby Allen. The crowd loves Darby Allen. They've made a star out of Riho. Two people who had no national TV experience. Riho doesn't even speak the language. Darby hasn't had a mic and he had a promo package. So they're building very specific things. They ha haven't spent a lot of time on Kenny yet. That's right. But I think part of that is they're letting him lose matches and they're going to focus on him later. I don't think they have to build everybody yet. I think they're doing a good job building some people to get us uh, invested for this next show. Look at Pac and uh, Moxley. Pac and Moxley. That feels like it means something like you can think of a million matches on raw where the guy comes out and attacks the other guy as he's making his entrance. And it's like, who gives a fuck? And this was like, Oh shit. I mean, I felt something when that happened. So I think you all are right in that they're not building up everybody yet, but I don't think they have to. This is a, hopefully a decades long um, uh, adventure. Yeah. I, so uh, I'm, I am I'm I am right. I'm not wrong. You said we were wrong. I am right. Um, the they're very good at building up what they are building up. I just think the balance is a little off. Like we need one more promo. We need one more video segment per show. We're just not getting quite enough of it. Like the show honestly was like wrestling heavy, which is weird. But again, WWE claims to be good at the stories. They're bad at the stories. They just do the PWG shit in the ring or whatever. AEW, like we know everybody's good at wrestling in the wrestling business. So they sort of need to lean on those stories and characters because that's actually what they're good at. Um, but I do think, because nobody else mentioned it, and it probably was the like highlight of the show, we should probably talk about the Cody and Jericho angle that you mentioned there because yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, the, the the whole the setup for that was awesome. You know, the the goofy thing, they, they set it up with the inner circle and having air horns in the skybox, which was very entertaining heel stuff. Um, you know, Cody came out to do his little... Uh, announcement and did like you know uh, prototypical babyface stuff and Jericho started running him down, but the whole way that transpired and and building to Jericho cutting a heel promo on scarves to MJF coming out, the scarf leading to Jericho's demise with the awesome Goldberg spot punching the window was dope. Uh, that was that was probably the actual highlight of the show, and I just you know we all worked ourselves trying to find a more interesting thing to say was elite. I was just going to say this is that watching Chris Jericho, I think, was like the most um, my girlfriend has ever enjoyed wrestling. Um, he's so entertaining. He's so good. He's so good at doing all the things that the WWE says, like 
you know, and they're like, oh, it's entertainment. Like this was actually just this guy's just an entertaining guy. And he was just he was cracking us up. And it was like, this is like, um, yeah, you're like, this is just a real talent in his prime. I don't know. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. Yeah, it was a, a great segment. It, I watched it uh, on tape because I, I was out when it uh, when the show aired and I still was like fired up as this was happening. I was like, hell yes. Like, I, I want to see these two guys fight each other, which I guess is the whole point. So uh, it's uh, very exciting. And I love that they had teased Cody to make an announcement and Jericho stops him from doing that. I mean, that's all great. The MJF and DDP coming out uh, and Dustin coming out. That was great. They did the first ever good uh, crowd reaction shot when DDP came out and the a guy was like, he's just like, what the fuck? Like he, he was happy, but he was like, that's wild, you know, that this is happening. So that was good. But since uh, everybody stole all my picks, I do want to give a quick shout out uh, because this will be my only chance on the show to Jamie Hayter, who ruled on this show. She, uh, it was probably Britt's best match in AEW. Not all because of Jamie Hayter. Britt Baker did a good job in this match. But Jamie is a fucking star. She comes out and is immediately a huge heel. Uh, the crowd hates her immediately. She's great. Uh, she did a fucking wet willy in her first time on national TV. That rules. Uh, Tony Schiavone and JR very bizarrely kept talking about her weight, which uh, made me very uncomfortable. And yet uh, she was still awesome. So, Jamie, I, since everybody chose everything else, Jamie Hayter is my elite pick of the week. Well, since you brought JR, I'm going to get straight into my delete of the week since I'm holding back on this. Jim Ross was not a TV professional level broadcaster last night. Get him. He was, for someone who's been in the business since the 70s, working for Leo McGurk, for someone who has been on TV since the 80s, starting with UWF going into Jim Crockett Promotions, he should know things such as how to pitch the commercials well. How not if the if a match is not your particular cup of tea, you don't bury it because it's not to your old boomer sensibilities. He was atrocious here. I could audibly tell that as someone who's watched a lot of PWG and knows how Excalibur is on the call and how he can vocally his inflection can change. He's frustrated. I could tell he was frustrated, and that left poor Tony Schiavone, who loves Tope Suicidas, in the middle, just completely going like mom and dad are fighting. And this is this. And this is not just me on a soapbox saying like this, but there are people within the wrestling industry who have their like back channels events bearing Jim Ross for his performance last night. And he has to decide like, am I going to take this seriously and treat this promotion like it should? Or am I going to be like the New Japan Jim Ross bitching about five second tag rules and like this when this whole entire promotion? The tag matches are going to be more lucha style. They're going to be more free flowing. If you can't get behind that and you can't ignore that part of your brain, then they should just go with Excalibur and Tony Schiavone, or they should go with Excalibur and Taz, because I think I might've been the only one who watched dark this week. Taz was awesome on dark. Taz was even things that weren't his cup of tea. He was great at it. Golden boy who has been incredible at it. And then Tony Schiavone, who's been great. And then I feel like once every few months we come back to, oh, Jim Ross has fucking sucked. And at the end of the day, this is a major league wrestling promotion. And I don't think that Jim Ross is a major league prom uh, commentator anymore. And that's ridiculous. Go, Go off, off. King. 
I thought he was bad, but like I don't know. Would you even notice that the uh, the tag teams are like in the ring too long if he I, didn't call it out constantly? Yeah, I mean they don't. The people are in there forever. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I just I yeah, guess I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't no, care. I, mean, I don't care most, either. I don't care. And most of the wrestling I watch has very lax tag rules, and the commentators never make comments about it. Like. We aren't. I in... mean, he was he was trying to justify. He was saying, "Oh, it's." He was saying over and over, "Oh, it's a little looser. It's a 10 second count or whatever." Like he wasn't saying, "Oh, this is wrong." He was trying to explain to I think the old people he imagines that are viewing, like, "Hey, here's why this is happening. It's a 10 second. It's a relaxed rule." That was like what he was attempting to do, I think. But yeah, the the thing that jumped out at me, like, I think he was largely fine, but when he kept like pushing back on Excalibur's uh, move calls or his vocabulary, like. Tony was doing it from like a, a place of fun, it seemed like. And and Excalibur took what JR was to doing it was doing as more of a critique on his calls, it sounded like. So yeah, I mean hopefully they're hopefully he's like there to establish some credibility and they can start phasing him out and like just have Tony be like the I'm the, you know, credible old dignified guy that's gonna call this show and you're gonna be like, Oh, great to see Tony Shivani back. That would be great, because Tony's good. Yeah. And the the thing is is that it's not just his calls. He messed up the name of their next big show that they've been building up since Labor Day. Like he missed said full gear. He's just, well, like I get where you're saying that he's trying to do credibility here, but he has as much access and ratings as we do. And those plus those 50 and older and those laps fans aren't really watching this promotion. So I get what you're saying. I still think that it was inexcusable. And he like buried people for not going for the pen immediately. It's ridiculous. I think he was terrible. I'm not going to do a delete because I pretty much liked everything um, except the Wardlow vignette. It looked like he was at the NXT combine. He should go to NXT. Delete the Wardlow then. Don't be a coward. The game is called Elite or Delete. It's not called like Elite or Take a Pass, like a little baby. All right, I'm, I'm deleting Wardlow. Go to All right. NXT. Wardlow, there go to NXT and leave me alone. I don't endorse this behavior. This is not nuanced. Just take this hot take shit to Skip Bayless's show. I don't believe in nuance. I have moral clarity, Nate, and my morals tell me mm. that nothing radical about that. <laughs> that Ward NXT. Love belongs in NXT. All right, AEW He's Dark episode cool. three. Uh, we learned in last week's Wrestling Observer newsletter that uh, Dasha Fuentes, now Dasha Gonzalez, is doing Spanish language announcing for Dark. So big news there. Here's what happened on Dark, and only Mike watched this. So if you have any big notes, you tell us. Uh, I was traveling, and I don't think this is a show that needs to be watched later. So I didn't watch it. Joey Janela defeated Brandon Cutler with an avalanche brainbuster. Uh, QT Marshall did an interview about uh, breaking his neck and now returning to wrestling. I was going to say that was the next of Cody's uh, interview series that he's done there. It was a nice, oh, nice. interview. And I, I like the Aubrey Edwards one a little bit more, but it was nice to kind of get like, okay, who is this? Who is this guy who eats apples? So it was kind of, it was a nice little thing. Nyla Rose defeated Leva Bates with the native bomb. And I understand that Leva was very bad here. Yeah. Uh, it was a match that like the one match issue I've seen a lot in this promotion is that they don't need to have back and forth matches for some of these people. And especially with Nyla Rose, like having Nyla here on dark is a great idea, but having her go, even 60-40 or 70-30 with Leva Bates is a terrible idea. This match was pretty bad. 
uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky got a promo, and there was a pack promo. I think this is the blood one, right? Where he's like spreading or like uh, wiping the blood across his chest. Oh, it wasn't across his chest. It was across his face and his body. Like from the barbed wire bat, he just like took all the blood and it was like he was spitting into the camera. It was just great, crazy pock. And then the Sky and Kazarian promo were good too. Like it was good, effective use of the time there. And the main event was Cody, Dustin, and the Young Bucks defeating Stronghearts, Shima and T-Hawk, and Private Party. But Dustin got the pin on T-Hawk. Real Mike Spears shit. Yeah, that this was the Mike Spears special. Uh, that there was a moment where T Hawk chopped Dustin Rhodes so hard that Dustin did not want to get into a chopping match with him after. And the finish was a quadruple uh, shattered dreams into the uh, final cut or whatever he calls it, like his reverse suplex slam onto T Hawk. It just was like a fun house show main event. It was a good time. It was a good hour. But I agree with you. This is a show that should be watched live. So, yeah. All right, Nate, you got some being the elite notes for us some quick hits yeah so uh one one segment that people should check out just because it's very funny uh they did a segment i think in philly where joey was waiting outside joey janela was waiting outside the building and uh said hey i'm waiting to meet this guy who hit me up on twitter because he wants me to uh sign his wife's breasts um so he goes over to like the rail where people are standing and waiting and he finds the finds the guys and his wife and he you know she pulls out her breasts and he signs them uh, and then, then she turns to her husband and Joey wrote, I'm pregnant on her breasts. So that was how they revealed to the <laughs> husband that they're having a baby was Joey Janela wrote on his wife's breasts. Uh, so very funny. And then they have like a little, you know, cut to the, the happy couple and they yell, we're having a baby. Thanks to AEW. This is really <laughs> worth, worth checking out because it's extremely silly. The most deranged thing I've ever seen since the MLW wedding proposal. I would say oh. over WrestleMania weekend, <laughs> truly the cringiest and most embarrassing wrestling moment I've uh, been privy to. Uh, Huge MLW fans there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, right. It's like, yeah, this like totally mediocre, just total <laughs> like background music of a wrestling promotion. It's like, that's the special place. I'm <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> yeah. Marry you forever. Yeah. Uh, but this was good. We're like um, marriage league wrestling. Am I right? Ooh. <laughs> Zero out of 10. Mar- mar- marriage license wrestling. Um, so Kaz, Kaz is, he's doing a bit where he says, yells, do ya? So that's, that's his bit now, I guess. Apparently this has been ongoing. Um, anyway, uh, Marco revealed to Luchasaurus that they didn't win in their tag team match. Um, and then Luchasaurus like is like, hey, you know, do your best. And then he gave him a little dino mask. So now Marco has a dino mask. Um, Sammy is still giving Brandon Cutler a hard time. Uh, and then they have uh, Kenny comes into Adam Page's dressing room, wants to do a heart to heart with them about their tag team win. But Page is like trying to get out the door like he's got his bag packed and he's trying to leave. Um, so he, he sits down and listens, but he doesn't really have time for his pep talk. And then like, you know, leaves immediately after. He's like, yeah, cool, man. All right. So uh, our discussion question from this is, is it time to turn Adam Page heel? Is this the course to saving the hangman character, having him turn against the elite? He's you know tired of the way that he has not been excelling relative to the other members. He's been uh, you know short with them in these backstage segments where they have not had each other's back, et cetera. Is that the path to getting some new reactions for Adam Page and uh, freshening up his character here? You know, I like it. I, I think... A lot of times we're too quick to want to turn a character if they're not getting reactions. We could just like 
you know, let it play out and, and let him try to uh, organically get over with this new audience. But they don't have a lot of top of the card heels. Uh, they need some sort of feud in between like elite members. That's just like a, a natural thing, I think, for this promotion. So that all makes sense. And it's not something we've really seen from Adam Page. I mean, even in the decade, which was like, I guess, a heel group in Ring of Honor, he he was like taking the brunt of their punishment, you know? So he wasn't really a heel in that. So that's something we've seen from him. It might, it's something he should try, absolutely, to see what he has in him. And maybe something gold comes out of it. You never know. I think they should double down on his weird friendship with the young, with the best friends. I think like that's the way to get him over. Like this idea of turning him heel. Okay, that's an option. But I think the real money is how he tried to apologize to Chuck Taylor about his horse that died on his birthday. I think that's the real money behind Adam Page. He's like the fourth member of their goof troop with Orange Cassidy. He's like very goofy, but they always he's always um, portrayed as like very serious. And so maybe there is like a goofiness. He could also go that way. Yeah, I agree with that. He is he does a promo at the end of the most recent AEW episodes, and he's like supposed to be very serious and being a badass to pack or whatever. The way he originally got over as a big babyface with this audience was doing a big penis feud with Joey Ryan. So like that's part of his appeal there. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he he was technically a heel like in the Bullet Club, but was a face to American fans and face to BTE fans, and then actually became a face once they did the whole. Uh, golden lovers thing so yeah i think that you know freshens him up it also gives um a, a good maybe follow-up feud to like an adam page versus cody kind of thing coming out of cody presumably losing to jericho maybe that's where you do the turn um you know uh, th- all their heels right now are either in the inner circle or pack so that gives them sort of a lower a upper mid card kind of guy to uh, square off with cody kenny um, you know, whoever else is coming up. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, when you're not getting the reaction you want from a guy, especially when you're trying to push him as like a top level face, doubling down is kind of like the Roman Reigns idea. Turning him is like the Naito idea. So I think you want to err for the Naito idea. Yeah. I mean, you could also just have him win matches, right? Like, I feel like he was doing fine. Then, then you're over pushing him. That's, that's the Roman Reigns idea. I mean, you don't have to like have a, you know, beat beat Jericho tomorrow but you could like I don't know it just feels like he was fine like I remember I saw him at the hog show and he came out and and did a big baby face promo and you're like wow this guy's a fucking huge baby face this guy's gonna be a star and then it like was just they just started having him lose matches or like almost lose to guys he shouldn't be losing to and it felt like he cooled off and it feels like the sort of Adam Page babyface project is not like totally defeated. Like I think you could just have him win undercard matches and win midcard matches and then just like build him back up. I don't know that I think it's gonna be really hard to get him booed just because like nobody's getting booed in this promotion right now and like you get I don't booed know. if you go up against Cody. Hmm. Joey Janela got booed without really trying against Omega this week. I mean, say so like even Jericho Jericho's like getting the legend reaction everywhere where people like people want to thank him and cheer him. But when he went up against Cody in that segment, people got behind Cody. People turned against Jericho. I guess we'll just have to uh, wait and see. 
you know, what happens on the next couple weeks of Wednesday Night Dynamite. Nice. That's why they play the games uh, in real life, not on paper, you know. (laughs) Let's run down the week four uh, results. The Lucha Brothers defeated Private Party to advance to the tag team tournament final. Uh, Pentagon Jr. pinned Mark Quinn after the Cerro Miedo. That's when we got the got a, Aaron, you got, a, on that? got a take here. I think a missed opportunity <laughs> in this match. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, you have private party winning the big upset. The crowd's going crazy. They're celebrating the crowd. You're building these guys up as these like huge underdogs who are about to make a run in the, in the big tournament. Right. And then it just fell. And you also conversely had sort of like built up, uh, the Lucha Brothers a little bit is sort of like these these heels who are kind of like vicious and they're fucking around during the ad break. Um, and then it just felt like they didn't pick up on any of those threads in this match. It, feel, it felt like they were building the story that was exciting and engaging. And then they just they just had a match where guys did a bunch of moves and there wasn't really sort of a coherent story. You didn't feel like you were being made to get behind Private Party. I think it was a mistake actually to do the cold open because I think that having private parties entrance and be with the crowd and sort of reestablishing that, Hey, these are these fun guys that had that big upset uh, would have been good. And then just to sort of like, it was almost like the young bucks win didn't happen. And we were treated to just kind of like a generic PWG match. That was a little bit choppy. It felt kind of like when you're playing a video game and guys, you don't feel like you're watching a cohesive match, but guys just trading moves and sequences. And I just think that like, after private parties win in the first round, when they got eliminated, we should have been feeling like, oh, man, I wanted them to win so bad. And it's ah such a bummer that, you know, they didn't make it all the way. And this time I just felt like, oh, that was the end of a fun, you know, series of unrelated high spots. Yeah, I agree uh, with all of that. I did not particularly enjoy this match. I know everybody on Twitter or whatever is super high on it. It felt totally stilted to me. I thought the energy with JR coming in off the cold open was like totally weird. Just like, hey, I'm JR and I'm in this match now. Uh, but I do think having the Lucha Brothers go over was correct because I think this exposed a lot of uh, private parties' greenness. And I don't think you want to ride that into the finals another round. Uh, that's also why I would have had the Young Bucks win in the first place. But um, yeah, I thought this was weird. Uh, obviously, what they're trying to go for was like, oh, huge, super hot tag opener like we did uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, And I just did not enjoy this nearly as much. So what I think happened is that the Dark Order was supposed to win this tournament after they announced the brackets, and then they decided to rebook this tournament. And so to avoid Bucks Lucha Brothers, they had to have Mm -hmm. Private Party beat the Bucks. And I just think that's how we got here. So the criticisms are valid. I just think that's how they fucked it up. They're like, oh, we've got to redo this, and so this is what we get. But you're right, Aaron. They could have done a better job of going heavier on Lucha Brothers being heels in this match and uh, beating down Private Party, and they didn't do that. In, because, well, I don't know. Who's, I'm not making any more predictions of who's going to win this damn tournament, but you want the Lucha Brothers to be hot going into this SCU match. But, of course, if they're big-time heels, like, SCU are the babyface. Yeah, so it's very dumb. So, anyway, I think that's what happened, but I agree this was a not a good match. All right, this is where we got the Wardlow vignette, uh, getting ready for the NXT Combine. Then we got SCU defeating Dark Order to advance to the tag team tournament final. Uh, Scorpio Sky pinned Mark Quinn. No, I said Mark Quinn again here. This was bad. Scorpio Sky pinned Stu Grayson after the SCU later boy 
SCU later, later. <laughs> There's uh, also a Twice song that sounds like they say SCU in it. Oh, really? They're actually, they're actually saying Fancy You, but when I saw them, I'm like, oh, this should be SCU's entrance theme. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, during this match, the inner circle, minus Jake Hager, who is uh, fighting for Bellator tomorrow, Friday, came out uh, with tickets and ascended the steps to a skybox. That uh, was really smart. Yeah, except that it killed the hot tag in this match. Like Scorpio or Kazarian gets the hot tag and nobody gives a shit. But so. no one really cared because it was Dark Order anyways. This, uh, this, got, this is awesome chance. People cared. They I got them into it by the end. They're good yeah. workers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're good workers. It's just this was a smart thing because the crowd was completely dead at the beginning. Like, yes, the hot tag came on, but this was a good thing at least to rile up the crowd. Did it pull focus? Yes, sure. But Jericho's your most overact. He's going to pull focus regardless of what he does. And I feel like it fed well into like, okay, then the folks came back, then SEU got the hot finish. I just thought it was something that for a for a program that does not work in Dark Order, it was a good way to kind of hide the negatives in a way that they have not done so up to this moment. Big, yeah, big agree. And also tells the TV audience, hey, Chris Jericho's on this show. Stay tuned for Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega defeated Joey Janela with the one-winged angel. We've talked about that. Uh, there was a commercial for upcoming live shows. I thought that was good now that we're past the sold-out shows, and it was well done. Uh, the Cody interview with Tony Schiavone, which we've already discussed at length, the only thing we didn't say was that it ended with uh, a brawl out in the concourse with uh, the eight of these guys brawling. Uh, Cody at one point dropped like literal trash on Chris Jericho's head, which I thought was funny. It was like half-eaten food. That made me laugh. It, it was well done for this kind of brawl that they've not had on TV before, other than like the walk and brawl with Moxley and Omega, like having this like frantic moment out in the concourse. I thought that for what was usually a very lame WWE trope of like, oh, they're going to squirt mustard on you, or it's going to be like the hot dog card or something like that. I thought this was pretty well done done i did think it was kind of funny that you have atlas security everywhere and you have some geeks wearing security polos that were trying to break them up and there were still people fighting off the sides so i love this bit i i thought this was probably if it wasn't for like the time limit draw getting so much like reaction i thought this was like one of the hottest moments of the show the young bucks defeated the best friends matt jackson pin chuck taylor after the more bang for your buck and after the match, uh, Matt got on the mic and accepted Santana and Ortiz's challenge for full gear. So that's another match for that card. And the Young Bucks get, you know, off the schneid uh, going into, they might be one of, you know, one of the first challengers for the uh, eventual tag champions. Britt Baker gets a video package leading into her big entrance in Britsburg. Uh, funny that, you know, she's been so poor to this point that they're like, we got to do everything, including bringing out the fucking Steelers mascot, because we are going to get this person at least over in this building. And it worked. So good for them. And then Britt Baker I, defeated. I also... Sorry, go ahead. Finish. Uh, said, Britt Baker defeated Jamie Hayter uh, with the lockjaw, which for the first time, well, I'm not sure for the first time, but it looked as good as it ever has in this. Like uh, Jamie sold it perfectly like it was death as soon as she got it on. So that was good. And I just want to say that. Things have flipped. Britt Baker is a dentist is good now. <laughs> it's they've now, done it so much. Take. Here's the hot take. Instead of, instead of backing off of it, like after the whole internet was on them, they've ramped it up even more. And now it's funny, right? <laughs> it's like she's more of a dentist every week. 
and it's and it's good. It's good now. So uh, it cracked me up the whole time. Alyssa and I were just loving it from the couch. Everyone had a good laugh. Um, so yeah, congrats to the AEW creative team for just kind of pushing through until it was funny. I do. I was going to delete the dentist discourse from last week. Now you have fucking Conrad making dentist jokes. The McLevies of the world think the dentist thing is the funniest thing ever. It's over. The jokes are done. I'm with Aaron, I think, now. They should go in super hard on the dentist thing. She should come out with a giant tooth as her mascot. Yeah, and a maybe, full and chair. Maybe she should it. roll out in one of those little chairs. <laughs> what if she gets a tooth mascot? Yeah, that's, that's what, what I said. Is that what I said? Listen to the show. Literally <laughs> <laughs> just said that. Like you just feel like carrying one. I meant like one with like legs and shit. You yeah, know, like a there should, right. be, a, there should tooth. be a big tooth mascot, and she should come out with a giant brush and brush it on during her end. Yeah, a tooth mascot <laughs> pushing Britt Baker, who's situated in a dentist chair, down the ramp. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Isn't Britt Baker getting pushed enough? Oh, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Boo. Boo. <laughs> all right. Uh, after this match, Jen Decker is starting to interview Jamie Hayter backstage, but Brandy attacks. Brandy Rhodes attacks Jamie Hayter from behind. She kind of gets in Jen's face. Uh, she's shaking it's like she's angry. She might cry. Uh, earlier in the week, I think this is related and largely because I guess Nate retweeted this right after the. Uh, right after the segment. Uh, so earlier in the week, Brandy announced on Twitter she was taking a break from accompanying Cody to ringside because her inability to focus has been noticeable. She said, quote, I will not allow my dot, 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 distraction to affect the biggest night of his career. At some point, you have to stop dreaming and start doing. I have to wake up. So a little angle for Brandy here. So is this going to be the same thing that happened with Allie and then completely got ignored afterwards? That was, it's fake. That was pre-TV. It's fake. Okay. I'm just checking. Also, They're not going to follow up. They're not going to follow up on every character's arc every week. They don't have the time to, I think. So we'll have to accept that at some point. Like, I was glad that this is some continuation of that Brandy character we saw in the Alley uh, program. Um, but I'm, I just want to complain that you can't have an attack during every fucking interview. Whenever there's a promo or an interview, there's an attack. That doesn't mean anything unless you have promos or interviews where nobody gets attacked. All right, and then we got the main event, John Moxley versus Pack. As we said earlier, this went to a time limit draw. Uh, the crowd was not happy about that. And then uh, to save everything, Moxley hit the paradigm shift on referee Paul Turner and uh, repeated about three times, time limit my ass. He clearly wanted that to be heard on camera, so he just said it over and over. And then we got some notes from Nate, who I guess was watching on Fight TV. He went to Italy on Wednesday night. And watch the show there. So he got the, the post-match angle. And uh, I guess Pac was about to uh, pilmanize Moxley. You know, putting him in the, the... neck. Right. Put the chair on the neck and then uh, hit that. And Kenny comes out to save uh, Moxley. Mox and Kenny ran off Pac. Uh, but then Page, Hangman Page, ambushes Pac at the top of the ramp. Uh, Pac runs out through the crowd. And I guess Page says Pac doesn't look so big without a chair, which he's not that big, really. And uh, Paige demands a rematch at full gear since he pinned Pack in the tag match and Pack used a low blow to beat him in their singles match. So I guess we're going to get that for full gear. That's the show, folks. All right. Here's what they taped for Dark Episode 4. The greatest tag team of all time, Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss. 
I cannot wait to see this. Taking on Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. What a match, folks. Love uh, Sunny Kiss got matching gear with Dustin Rhodes, which just make if that's a regular team, like I kind of love that. Um, also, just it really is all hands on deck in this promotion. Like this really is wrestlers running the wrestling promotion because they put Michael Kolari in a match. Was not expecting that, you know, uh, however many months ago when we were watching the Road Twos. But QT Marshall is a wrestler in this promotion. It's it's wild because like. Uh, Dustin is like a MAGA chud, so he probably is uh, pretty skeptical of Sunny Kiss. But Sunny Kiss does have like uh, sincere, but Goldust vibes. You know, like he's got that same kind of uh, deal. So I feel like Goldust or Dustin might like see something in Sunny. There's something that he can uh, help help Sunny uh, do in his career. I think Dustin uh, has. Uh, I think Sonny Kiss was getting criticism on Twitter, even, and Dustin like stood up for him and was like, you know, I, I think he's got a lot of talent and a lot of potential, and I'm going to help him out. So I, and that that it seemed like that came from a genuine place, not a pro wrestling. This is going to be a team place, but maybe that's where they took it forward because it's great when you make pro wrestling out of real life things. So uh, yeah, I, I I hope it does something interesting. That'd be cool. Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Jack Evans. Uh, had a false count anywhere match. No word of whether this is a sanctioned match. So don't know if this will count. You know, false count I, anywhere. Seems like it shouldn't, but. I mean, I'm just stoked because we could have singles Jack Evans. I mean, Jack Evans from the heavens. First ever Dragon Gate Gaijin star. Big ROH Gaijin next. Going up against Darby Allen. This is like a big generational match. And then I guess we have uh, Jimmy Havoc there too. I don't know. <laughs> Delete on Helico. IMO. All right. And then the main event. Or I don't know if it'll be the main event, but it was the last one they taped. Emi Sakura takes on Penelope Ford, Allie, and Sadie Gibbs, making her AEW debut in uh, this dark main event. Any thoughts on the four? She was in the Battle Royale. That's true. TV debut. Dark slash TV debut. Okay. Uh, YouTube debut. Exactly. All right, here's what's going to happen next week, October 30th, in Charleston, West Virginia. Folks, the fans will receive Rick and Morty masks. Nobody has thought Woo! that. <laughs> I love that synergy. <laughs> Just love it. Pickle Jericho. Pickle Jericho. There we Let's go. Get it. Elon Musk, what's up? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously this is, like, terrible, but... It is like current. Yeah. So, you know, again, I know they got that going for them. about the show except for the Szechuan sauce thing. So I it could be a good me. show for all I know, but with just like bad fans. Uh, Maybe it's like wrestling. <laughs> it, I, I do have to say this. If this was something that WWE would be doing, this would have happened in 2024 where they would have like the seventh season of Rick and Morty thing. So at least they're like, they're getting this topical. Apparently, Rick and Morty's coming back. Cartoon Network's a part of Turner, so you got some synergy there, and hopefully we get Chris Jericho and a Pickle Rick mask. All right, we're also getting the Tag Team Tournament Finals. The Lucha Brothers will take on SCU. And, folks, the Rock and Roll Express will present the winners with the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And if there is a god in heaven, one of these teams or some team will attack the Rock and Roll Express and we will get the R&Rs on TNT in 2019. Not only that, they should do this 
and then have the match in Charlotte because yes! have it in the Bojangles Coliseum, heart of Crockett territory. I'm so stoked. And also because I want to see the Rock and Roll Express wrestle again in 2019. It's always a good time to see the Rock and Roll Express in the Carolinas because they're the most over thing in the world. So I hope that this becomes a thing. And it's a great way that AEW is capitalizing on this Rock and Roll Express revival of 2019. I'm here for this. Is this not the Charlotte Checkers you arena? Know, yeah, it's not the Bojangles arena. The Bojangles. Bojangles, Bojangles Coliseum. It, mm. It's a real bad arena. Like, it is old. Have you been to the Checkers Coliseum, AT? No, I've only heard tale of it. Because I just, um, yeah, I went to, for a little AT lore for listeners, I went to the University of North Carolina uh, for college. Mm. And it was just like, you just because 80% of the students were from North Carolina, you just accumulate all of this like arcane North Carolina knowledge. Like I'm just like very well versed in like various minor league teams in the Charlotte metro area, the high school teams, um, just really kind of like this, uh, just really this ephemera. And I never have a chance to use it because um no one really cares about it as much in my day to day. Here in Queens, no, no one. Are, no New one York else. elites don't care. I'm shocked. The New York elites are out of touch with the working people of Charlotte, North Carolina, who are obsessed with the <laughs> Butler Bulldogs. Delete the That's New York elite. I am. They're obsessed <laughs> with East Mecklenburg High School and the various directional Mecklenburgs. You, you have to care about the difference between Concord and Kannapolis if you live mm. in North Carolina. Right. Like, these, these are just important things. You gotta wanna need to have it. And uh, so I'll be tuning in live uh, from New York to watch the, the matches at the Bojangles Arena. Um, and I hope all the people in North Carolina, you know, get excited about the little old Rock and Roll Express and, uh, you know, they have some sweet tea and have a, have a good old time and uh, bless their hearts. Get a Cajun filet biscuit while you're at it. Might as well. All right, Chris Jericho and John Moxley will also both be in action. We don't have anything else about uh, what they're going to do. Obviously, at some point, it's going to be Inner Circle versus Team Cody, but I don't know if that'll be next week or in North Carolina on the Go Home show for Full Gear. All right. Here's a question about John Moxley. Oh, never mind. You can keep going. Yeah, I just want to open it up for discussion. Didn't put this on the run sheet. Um, Do you feel... That they're leaning a little too heavily into the he's stone cold thing. No, no, it's no? good. You think it's a good a good tribute, but not a sort of a complete rec- replica. As Nate said earlier, these fans don't know who Stone Cold is. Damn. So it's new to them. Hmm. If he was Stone Cold, he would have uh, hit the paradigm shift on the cameraman in addition to Paul Turner. So he's he's a little <laughs> restrained. He's making it his own. All right. I just think it's new to most of these fans. So it's good. Yeah, I just and feel it pops like people like you and me. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. Agree to disagree. I All just right. feel like it's a it's a little much at times with the stuff, but it's still exciting. I don't know. Well, I mean, if he drives a fucking beer truck down the ramp, then you know, I'll I'll jump on your side, AT. All right. Well, we'll delete this segment. I I I feel like the take was bad. <laughs> just cut it out. <laughs> Leave it in. All right. Well, take it back. I'm going to give you some time to shine here, Aaron Tao, for our final major uh, topic here. So, 
really good article from Sean Newman of fanbite.com this week. You should check it out. Uh, you think it's going to be a puff piece as you read it, but then he like really gets into talking about uh, unionization and talks to some wrestlers who are pro-unionization and uh, criticizes AEW where necessary. So I thought it was good. So the main idea of the article is AEW is viewed as a quote-unquote progressive company. So what the article asks is, what are they doing to, to be progressive toward workers? And uh, the, the main thing that they talked about, which we've talked about a lot on this show, especially in the early days of this show, is whether AEW is going to provide health insurance to all of its workers. What we know, what we've known for a long time is that there are some people who also have full-time office jobs, so they get health insurance. And there are some people who don't, and so presumably they get no coverage whatsoever. So Tony Khan claims in this article that pro wrestling is, quote, not an insurable job. He says, no insurance company will ever cover a professional wrestler. You have to have an actual job that you can explain on paper what it is you do full time that isn't. I wrestled once every other week for eight minutes and I wrestle maybe 30 times a year on average. Insurance companies aren't going to accept that. Hilariously, Mr. Newman writes after that, it is illegal for an insurance company in the United States to deny coverage based on profession or industry under the Affordable Care Act. Aaron Taub. Do your thing, buddy. Tell us what you think about this. I don't have a hard take until we have, like, I mean, it sounds like they're doing okay, I guess. Like, I don't really expect them to be, like, really as good as they look. The only way that they're, like, actually going to give healthcare to every wrestler is if the wrestlers organize and they demand it, right? Like, I don't think that there's, you know... Like, I think that they can, you can make sort of change around the edges if you have sort of a benevolent owner, but I don't, you know, healthcare is very expensive in this country and like sort of having a plan for only, you know, what, 40 or 50 people is like, you know, business owners are, you know, reluctant to do it. Um, And so I think that like, you know, it seems like they have a better situation than the WWE. Maybe I would like to see Tony Khan press on what he means. He said something like a good percentage of the wrestlers have health insurance or a large percent I'd let, or a large number. I'd like to know like how many people actually have health insurance in this company. Like a, you know, a, like a number like 30, right? Um, because it doesn't really, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, opacity. Uh, right now and it feels like you know obviously the thing about like they won't insure wrestlers is like a fake thing that's like the one good thing that came out of the affordable care act is um that you can't sort of not give someone health care based on their job or pre-existing conditions so i don't know what did you guys think i have one thought about the whole 30 hours thing uh tony kind of really deflected when he said that there was a that, that it was like only 30 matches, eight minutes a year, because you're not counting the travel, the time they spend at the gym, the time, like whatever, like self-improvement things, like going to classes, which would count for this. Like, it's very easy to make it into a 30 hour a week job and then say, okay, everyone now is 30 hours and now they count as full time and they get health insurance. Like that was the thing that I really kind of took away as the, a big deflection there. And that might've just been me, but I thought that that was kind of opaque out of him. Yeah, I think he's definitely like bullshitting about whether they can't they can or can't do it. Right. They 
they can. Oh, yeah. it's total bullshit. Yeah. I mean, let's compare them to other professional athletes. Do NFL players play a three-hour game one time a week for 16 weeks or 17 weeks, but only 16 out of those 17 weeks? Yes. And that would not make them a 30-hour-a-week employee. They also play a very dangerous game. You know, so I just – yes, I, I, I think I raised this in our chat, and somebody said, yeah, but the NFL is more established, which I appreciate, and they have a union who actually <laughs> makes sure that they're they're insured through the union. But – but that obliterates the idea that it's just impossible for these people to be insured. I mean, the argument is dumb. It's bad. It's something that if you're not really smart or you don't really think about it that much, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'd buy that. But you know, if you spend like five minutes with actually thinking about it, it's like, no, that's uh, very much bullshit. Nate, I feel like you have a take on this and you were kind of ruminating on it. Not really. Um I mean, maybe he's talking about the rates. Maybe he's saying, oh, if I tell the insurance companies that I want to buy insurance for 30 people and they're all pro wrestlers, maybe he's suggesting that uh, they're going to charge them super high rates as compared to a different profession. I don't know. Um, you know, uh, 30 hours. Sure. Uh, you know, all those travel time, workout time, the promo time. I guess that should all go toward uh, the performance of your profession. Um, there should be universal health care so that Tony Khan doesn't have to make this decision. Absolutely agree. Well, we shouldn't have to rely on our, our wealthy benefactors to give us health insurance. Uh, we should thing. take health insurance from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing. Track your miles, guys. If you're on the road, like driving to the airport, or if you're someone like Chuck Taylor who lives in Philadelphia driving to Pittsburgh, track your miles and make them reimburse you. Like, come on, guys. Like, you're independent contractors. Be independent contractors and get all your money back. If well, we you don't. Are. They're not independent contractors. Some well, of them well, are employees. I, yeah, yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's well, very. So the other question, sorry, um, is we think they do pay for travel expenses. We don't know if that includes, you know, reimbursement for miles, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's another thing that is bothersome to me about this article. Like, I did not. My independent contractors, they've been like, they are employees. They're employees. I'm pretty clear about that. But they should be getting all they can back from this company for amount of stuff they put into it. They should be, well, like, whatever their gym rates are, whatever they are, they should be doing these professional reimbursement things that a union would take care of. And it's just another thing that why wrestling needs a union. Well, if Trent ever does his taxes, then he can write off those unreimbursed expenses also. So he should do that. Uh, okay, yeah, that was an interesting thing that came out of this. Uh, so first, Tony Khan confirmed that AEW will cover medical and rehabilitation costs related to in-ring injuries, uh, which, you know, thanks. And then he says, for the first time, that AEW pays for, quote, travel expenses. So that's what Nate was just referring to. We don't know exactly what that means. We have previously asked AEW, do you pay for hotels? Do you pay for rental cars? Do you cover all the travel? And they have never responded to us on that. We are going to or have already reached out on this to say, okay, you've talked about this. What does travel expenses mean? And maybe since they've discussed it, they will um, clarify. I doubt it, but they, we're at least trying to find out. So there's a lot with travel expenses, like mileage reimbursement that Mike was talking about, your uh, airfare, your hotel, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that we know WWE talent pays for themselves out of their own pockets. So it's good to find out. Uh, but basically, oh, the one good thing I guess that came out was one AEW executive. So Mr. Newman gave uh, an anonymity for this quote, said that the lowest end contracts in AEW 
are higher than NXT's base rate of $50,000. So I guess that means, okay, but what does that mean? Do you have to be an employee? Is Penelope Ford making over $50,000 a year? Is Sadie Gibbs, this is her first time showing up since they've been on TV. Is she making over $50,000 a year? Sadie's got a visa, so they got her a visa. I assume she's a contracted full-time performer. Penelope also seems like she's full-time. I'm going to guess that if you're a full-time AEW person, meaning you're not freely working other promotions, then you're at least making more than that $50,000. You know, maybe I'm being charitable, but that's what I'm going to guess. If you're uh, somebody they bring in for one-offs, um, like a Laredo kid or something, then I'm guessing it's a, you know, per show date. Obviously that goes for people like the Beaver boys also who showed up to be local talent. Um, but yeah, you know, we're not, the, it may be 20 years until some of these contracts end up in court and uh, Brandon Howard Thurston pulls them from the public records and posts them for everyone to see that we get answers on these. All right, a couple of quick other notes before we get out of here. Uh, if you watch the TV, you know this, but Kenny Omega won the AAA Mega Championship from Phoenix on October 19. Uh, apparently, Nate told us earlier that on the Wrestling Observer Radio today, uh, Dave said he expects Kenny to defend that title, perhaps on AW Dark and maybe even on TV. Yeah, this match. Yeah, basically his point was probably not on pay-per-view. Okay, got it. This match ruled. It'll probably be on YouTube sometime soon. Or if you have Amazon Prime, you have a Twitch subscription, you can go give it to AAA. It was a good match. It was probably the best AEW match inside of AAA. So it's worth watching. Regarding our talk last week about how the uh, Bushi Road buying stardom thing would affect people like B and Riho and then, you know, Jamie Hayter, who just showed up, uh, and the Observer from last week, I haven't seen this week's yet. It's not out as far as I know. Dave reported that stardom will remain neutral in the WWE AEW wars and continue to use NXT UK and AEW talent. So, I mean, we already, since we saw Jamie Hayter show up this week, we could assume that they're going to keep working with AEW, but that is uh, the news from Dave. I guess the Observer is out because somebody pasted a, a note in here. Uh, the Luchasaurus injury, not as bad as feared. He has a strained hamstring, not a full tear. Uh, there's not an exact timetable, but it's a few weeks or a month or so, uh, while a full tear in surgery would have been six to eight months. So we should see the Luchasaurus back in AEW soon. So that's good news. That's all we have. You guys have any notes or anything else you want to point out? Uh, no, I have no notes. You know, um, we've talked a lot about wrestling psychology uh, on this show. And I want to take a moment to tell folks about someone who's a real baby face in peril. <laughs> who's climbing towards the corner and they're waiting on us, right? We're on the corner and they're waiting on us to come in with the hot tag and lift them up. And that baby face in peril, his name is Bernie Sanders. So right now, uh, we got this big presidential election coming up and uh, we're going through some hard times, America, right? <laughs> hard times is when you're sitting on the, you know, on the fucking gurney, the whatever, you know, the thing at the doctor's office, right? And they ask you if you want to get some x-rays and you have to be like, hold on a second. How much is this going to cost? Is my insurer going to cover this? Hard times is when you're barreling towards three degrees Celsius global warming by 2100, full climate death. 
and the guys in charge can't even keep us under 1.5 degrees Celsius. Right? Hard times. That's hard, hard times. times. And we have this big upcoming election and I just I just really want to encourage people to do something about it. Because I think I've been watching um a lot of the coverage is at the rally Saturday and I think one thing that we really need to understand is that this isn't just about beating Trump, right? I keep, I hear it all the time from normies, like whoever's going to beat Trump, da, 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 da. And it's like, we just beat Bush, right? We beat, you know, we beat, you know, McCain, right? We, we, the Democrats took power and what did we get? Right. The problem, we just got right back to where we are because Barack Obama, he had some great plans, but he didn't have any power, right? He wasn't able to get things through, right? Because you can't, you don't accomplish change with plans, right? You accomplish change with power, right? And I'm so, I'm watching this election and people are trying to um, really mystify the public about like, oh, there's all these candidates and they're all good and they're all saying they're going to do good things. And it's like, you know, Barack Obama had chance had, had plans to, to change the entire health insurance system, but he was defeated by, you know, not just Republicans, but Democrats in his own party who were unwilling to oppose, um, you know, the billionaire healthcare industry. And he and he didn't have the strength of the people pushing for things, right? The the things that we're up against with climate change, we don't need a big, amazing piece of legislation we know what we need to do we need to stop burning fossil fuels right the challenge is that like there's a lot of really powerful people who are going to continue to profit um, from burning fossil fuels and they don't have an interest in stopping global warming because the the billion like they're going to be fine like jeff bezos will build a tower in the sky and he will go to the last piece of remaining uh livable land and him and his descendants will live there unless we like stop this, right? And when we think about, you know, if you really want big structural change, you need someone who's gonna build a movement with power, right? Like the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, they didn't just have an amazing 40 page white paper that was like, oh yeah, we should be able to vote. No, like they built a mass movement. They shut down cities. They had people in the streets and, and they made it untenable for the government to give them anything else than what they were demanding, right? You know, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, right? This wasn't a galaxy brain idea. Women should be able to vote, right? This wasn't like, you know, you didn't have to carry the one and, and divide by three and whatever and integers, right? Like it wasn't a big, you know, proposal, right? You need an actual movement. And that's why I'm supporting Bernie Sanders for president, because he is the only candidate in this race who is really honest about what we're up against and how we're going to beat it, right? We're not going to get 60 senators to support Medicare for all or a Green New Deal or any of this stuff by like making trades and doing deals with them, right? We're going to get it when the nurses and the garbage collectors and the building workers and the transit workers decide they're not going to go into work until, 
you know, until we get what we want, right? We need a multiracial working class movement. And there is one person who has spent his entire life at marches and on picket lines and who understands this, who's not afraid to upset people and who doesn't think that we're going to get where we need to go. And we need to go so far, right? We're like basically locked into 1.5 degrees warming, which is like huge swaths of the planet are not going to be inhabitable, right? And it's like the Republicans have their plan, right? Their plan is just like, you're seeing it, right? They're building the border walls, right? And they're just going to, and they're, they're, they're taking away, trying to take away birthright citizenship. And they're going to just keep out as many people as possible. And they're going to force us to like fight for who can be the last people standing on this uninhabitable climate, right? So we don't, we don't need a plan that's like, well, actually, we shouldn't do that. We need power. And we need someone who is realistic about this and understands that and is building a movement to win. So I am reaching out. My hand is touching your hand for one great big gathering across this nation, right? And we need to go and we need to make sure we got one chance at this, right? We cannot have another four years of no action on climate change, of people dying from treatable diseases, uh, of, of people being evicted from their homes because rent is just insane, right? We need to win and we need to win now, right? So I just urge everyone listening, please talk to your friends about my man, Bernie Sanders. Help us build this movement. Knock some doors. You'll feel so good about yourself, right? We all watch the news and it's like miserable. You feel like you, you're just miserable and it's terrible and you can't do anything. Well, you can, right? So please go door to door. Go to berniesanders.com, sign up for a canvassing shift. If you, if, you, if you have a good DSA chapter in your city that's doing work, bernie.dsausa.org slash events, please get out there, right? We have a planet to save. We have a world to win. Let's go do this. Great promo, AT. Great promo. You, your promo skills have come a long way, AT. I think so. Yeah, man. How long, when are you going to run? <laughs> Um, probably never. Cause it's like, <laughs> like, um, it's like the thing about Bernie Sanders. Right. And is like, it sucks that he's like an old white dude. I real, it's just like the, and you know, and that's another thing that people keep talking about. It's like, Oh, why vote for an old white man when you can like vote for like a, a slightly white younger woman. white woman. Right. Or, or Pete Buttigieg or Julian Castro. Right. And it's like, it's because like the entire left was wiped out by like, Reaganism and then the sort of scared Democrats retreating to Clintonism that they're just like, is not another leftist between Bernie and Alexandria, right? And Alexandria is not old enough to run. So it's like, we're just like stuck with him. But now that we have this huge, exciting crop of, of young, diverse um, leftists, like there really is like not really a need for like a 30 year old white dude from Long Island to run for office. Um, so I, I just try to like help out other people who are more reflective of the working class. Bernie's going to win folks. Get on board now. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we can add a disclaimer before that. That's like, you know, if you're one of the people who don't like politics, like X out and go listen to something else. Yeah. <laughs> no. AT is not afraid of his own shadow. I'm not afraid of, but actually listen to the show again, but just like, don't listen to the politics part. Just cut off of the show and then just like, you know, come back again next week and still like everyone. Go drink your dopey centrism. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, 
that's the show for this week. That's Aaron Taub, and uh, I endorse every word. I mean, the hard time stuff was a little, a little overwrought. A little much. In the end. You know, hey, I was just, I was working on it. I was so lathered up because I feel like I'm going <laughs> nuts, like watching all these people be like, oh, all the candidates, they're all good. And it's like, no, there's like one person who's like watching what's happening. Well, it's really like if we can't get a leftist in office, uh, you know, in direct reaction to Donald Trump, then they we just never can. So it's like, do, do people actually want leftist policies or no? Like, yes, they do. But, you know, the people that are intentioned in power actually do not. And they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Yeah, right. The real thing about Obama, of course, is that he had power in the like, especially the first two years. And he just he, tried he did not have moral clarity. They That's couldn't right, pass they... card check. Yeah, the guy had 60 votes in the Senate. Could have passed. Yeah, could have passed card check. Card check didn't even come up for a fucking vote. Could have passed anything he wanted. And he passed a giveaway to the uh, health insurance companies. So that was cool. All right. That's that's the show for this week. Uh, when we first started doing the show, we said we were going to do politics. We do it at the end. There you go, folks. There it was. Boom. All right. Follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. You can get lots of uh, lots of those kind of takes on his Twitter account. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Uh, rate us five stars. Review us on the podcast app. Sponsor. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate and throw us a few bucks for all the labor of doing this show. We do it for free, folks. That's it. We'll be back. Uh, what's that, Nate? We don't always do it for free. That's true. We have sponsors sometimes. So um, we do occasionally get paid for this show. So we're going to be back next week with a new sponsor. I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look forward to that, folks. <laughs> that's, that's right. All right. So until then, for Mike, for Nate, for Aaron, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Okay.